0: It's really good to see you all this morning. Um, I want to add my welcome uh, to you, to this service of worship. If you're here in the sanctuary, it's wonderful to see you. If you're worshiping with us online, welcome. So glad that, uh, that you are here. Um, today is um, Oculi Sunday. I bet you didn't know that. Uh, I didn't know that until this week. This is something new that I learned in uh, In the ancient church, uh, I did know this, that the season of Lent was a time of preparation for baptism. Baptism took place at Easter for everyone. And so the 40 days prior to Easter, uh, not including Sundays, during that time period, uh, candidates for baptism were prepared for that. And it was a time of self-examination, and it was a time of examination by the church before they were admitted into the church by baptism. And the third Sunday in Lent, called Oculi Sunday. Oculi is Latin for eyes, because the church had eyes on these candidates. (laughs) But I want us to think about this Sunday in a little bit different way, because in fact the whole season of Lent is a time Uh, when it's not that the church has eyes on us, but we have eyes on ourselves. It's a time for looking in the mirror and really taking a look at who we are and remembering whose we are. That's the season of Lent. So here on this Oculi Sunday, we're thinking about pride and Humility. And the passage that we heard from uh, Paul's letter to the the first letter to the Corinthians uh, is the lectionary passage for this day and this year in the lectionary. The lectionary is a, a three year cycle of readings that we share in common with other Christians. And in this particular reading, uh, Paul is using the story of the people, particularly the story of the people in the wilderness, but the story of the people of God and the covenant with God and how God is always faithful and the people uh, are often unfaithful. And woven through that whole story is this issue of pride. Pride is really at the, at the heart of, of all of those struggles and issues that people have had in their uh, walk with God. And um, the early church recognized this, and by the uh, 7th uh, century, the church had said, okay, there are seven deadly sins. There are seven sins that are spirit-killing, soul-killing. And on top of that list, the one that they understood to sort of sum it all up, uh, and to be at the heart of so much of it is the sin of pride. Pride. Now, it is important to say that we're talking about unhealthy pride. Um, and Mr. Mark talked about that. This is one of those children's moments, by the way, when I sat there thinking, well, he's preached my sermon. Really? I mean, we're not going to do it, but let's have the benediction and go home. But, uh, but uh, it, it sort of felt that way, and one of the things he emphasized is this issue of healthy and unhealthy pride. I love, I'll, I'll always remember that there's healthy cholesterol and unhealthy cholesterol, and uh, that's that's a pretty nice way to think about it. But pride is really important. Pride is understanding uh, our giftedness and and who God created us to be. Pride is understanding what makes each of us special and, and unique. It's, It's uh, loving ourselves um, and loving our neighbors. That's healthy pride. But there is that unhealthy pride, of course, as well. And that's the one that really is so tricky, especially for uh, people who are religious. I mean, it really, it really can get sticky there. One of, one of my favorite uh, stories is an old uh, Jewish story uh, that you may well have heard. It's, uh, it's Yom Kippur, it's the Day of Atonement. Uh, there's worship going on in the temple, uh, the synagogue, uh, a particular congregation. And, um, and in the midst of that service, the rabbi falls on his face in, in front of the congregation Uh, and uh, says, oh God, in relation to you, I am nothing. And so moved was the president of the congregation that he got up and he fell on his face next to the rabbi and he said, oh God, in relation to you, I am nothing. And, and it sort of caught on and uh, a, a poor member of the congregation, one who just sort of served and was faithful in his service and would take out the trash and sweep the floors and that kind of thing as a volunteer in the congregation, he knelt in the aisle and he said, oh God, in relation to you, I am nothing. And the president of the congregation nudged the rabbi and said, oh, look who thinks he's nothing. That's the trickiness of pride when it comes to religion, you know? And it's the most destructive kind of arrogance, really. And it's so tricky. There's a piece that, <laughs> that I read this week uh, when I was uh, just kind of, I was trying to find that story just to make sure I had the details right. And I ran across this wonderful piece by Eric. Uh, Linus Kaplan, uh, he's a Hollywood screenwriter, and uh, he, uh, he has a really entertaining, uh, insightful way uh, that he thinks about this story. After he recounts the story, he writes this. So we don't want to be the congregation president in this story, we, we don't want to brag about her humility for the obvious reason that bragging about humility shows that we are not humble. People who truly think they're nothing don't look down on other people for thinking that they're nothing. But how do we avoid being that man in the story? Well, we don't do it by telling the story, it seems to me, because if we have the story in our back pocket and anytime somebody uh, extols the virtue of humbleness, we tell the story, then we're bragging about how we are not fake humble. And if we are bragging about how we are not fake humble, that we know how to avoid the pitfalls of fake humility, then we're bragging about being genuinely humble. And we're like the man in the story. On the other hand, if we never tell the story or use the idea in the story, how do we point out to people not to be fake humble? How do we teach ourselves and others the value of humility? And if nobody makes distinctions between true and fake humility, as exemplified by telling of the story, then how does the practice of humility endure? It's a problem, he says, and it is. It's this whole issue. C.S. Lewis in the screw Tape Letters, uh, and I won't read the passage because we don't have time for, for that today, but in, in, that, in the screw Tape Letters, uh, the uh, there is um, a, a junior devil and then there's a senior devil and the senior devil screw tape is writing letters to his nephew uh, Wormwood to instruct him on uh, how to tempt this client this patient, this person whatever he calls it and, and one of the issues is pride. And he says to him, uh, plant in his mind the idea that he's humble, and then he will become proud of that humility. And then when he recognizes that pride of his humility, well then he will address it and do something about it and he'll be proud of that and so on and so on, he says over and over again. But don't push it too far because he will wake up and uh, he'll make a joke out of it and you don't want that. So, there's this issue of pride and at its heart, pride is not recognizing who we are and whose we are. Jesus told a story, the story of a Pharisee and a tax collector standing in the temple and praying, and, and Jesus said that the Pharisee, this very religious, righteous person, uh, stands up and prays, to him, prays with himself. It's an interesting phrase and the tax collector is standing way off. And he prays, Lord, I thank thee that I'm not like this other man, this tax collector. I'm not like these others who sin. And he goes on and, and then the tax collector stands far off, doesn't even look up to heaven and says, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. And Jesus says, it's that person that goes home justified not the self-righteous religious person. And so the danger of that kind of pride, that unhealthy pride, where we compare ourselves to others is that it destroys our relationships with others. It separates us from others. We end up in our prayers praying with ourselves, as that person did. It's easy to fall in to that. And it harms, <coughs> pardon me, it har- it harms our relationship with God as well. It separates us, creates a distance between us and God as we have put ourselves in the place of God. We can be so full of ourselves that there's not room for God to be present in our lives we can have the mistaken notion that we really don't need God, that we do just fine without God, that we're self-made people. We pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps as Mr. Mark said in his sermon earlier. And it's that kind of distance that creates this sin of pride. And it's God's grace that enables us to move from that. There's an old story that I love that really touches on this issue of pride and it's a story that goes back to 1916 um, and the death of the emperor of Austria, the Hungarian-Austrian Empire by this time. 1916, Franz Joseph died in in a very traditional service. He was buried in a crypt in one of the churches in Vienna. And the traditional liturgy, which dated back centuries, is fascinating. Those carrying his body up to the door knocked on the door, and the liturgist inside responded, who goes there? And the response was, the emperor of Austria. And the response from the liturgist, I don't know who that is. Who goes there, he asked again. And the response on the outside of the door was, the apostolic ruler of Hungary. The response from the inside, I don't know who that is. Who goes there? And then the response, Franz Joseph, a sinner and a child of God, and the door opens. So it's that kind of movement from pride to humility that we're talking about today, and that is possible for us. You notice the colors. The color of purple representing pride. The color of brown representing humility. And the movement from purple to brown. We'll see it in the lighting. We'll see it in the words written here. As the stumbling block of pride becomes stepping stones into new life through humility. We're talking about a balance here. We're talking about a healthy way of looking at both of these things because humility is something that we have to understand as well. It is not being a doormat, again, as Mr. Mark said. It is not thinking less of ourselves in the sense of thinking that we're worms or that we're no good, that we're nothing. Rather, Humility is understanding who we are in relationship to God and in relationship to others. And there's a healthy humility as well as that unhealthy humility of low self-esteem and thinking that we're nothing. But it's that healthy pride that can lead us to the healthy humility as well. There's a wonderful letter that Anton Chekhov wrote to his brother, the Russian writer, wrote to his little brother. And it was in response to a letter that his brother wrote to him. And, uh, and I just wanna read, it's a brief letter. His brother had written a letter to him and he signed it, your insignificant and obscure little brother. And Chekhov wrote this to his little brother. Do you know before whom you should confess your insignificance? And then he answered, before God, if you will, before intelligence, beauty, nature, but not before people. Among people, you have to show your worth. After all, you're not a crook, are you? You're an honest fellow, are you not? Well then, respect the honest fellow in yourself and recognize that the honest fellow is never insignificant. Don't confuse coming to terms with yourself with recognizing your insignificance. Such wise, life-giving words from an older brother to a younger brother, right? That shows the kind of healthy humility that is our gift from God and our gift back to God and to one another. An image that I like in thinking about this balanced way, this healthy humility and healthy understanding of pride, is um, the tires on a car. Um, You can have overinflation and underinflation, and neither are good. We can have that when it comes to our own self-understanding when on this Oculi Sunday we look in the mirror, we can have an overinflated or an underinflated view of ourselves. And yet what Paul is calling those Corinthians to and what he calls Christians to in Philippians too as well is this Balanced understanding that moves us from sinful pride to life-giving healthy humility It's in that second chapter of Philippians that Paul says With humility consider think of others as better than yourself But he goes on to say, have the same mind in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, humbled himself, emptied himself, and became obedient, obedient even to death on the cross. Have the same mind in you that was in Jesus. Jesus was no doormat, but Jesus was humble. humble servant. Humility means understanding that we are children of God. And being children of God means that we understand who we are in relationship to others who are also children of God. It means that we empty ourselves. We make room for God to be at the center of our lives. We make room within ourselves for the hearts and lives of other people to be a part of who we are. Humility means that we are grounded. That's what the word literally means. It comes from humus, the earth, the, the ground. We are grounded. We are down to earth. That's who God calls us to be. But the very end of all this, this warning, this challenge that Paul has for the people, Paul says, God is faithful. God is faithful. And thanks be to God for God's faithfulness. Let's pray. Our gracious God, great is your faithfulness We thank you for your faithfulness and that you have given us life. We confess that we fall into unhealthy pride sometimes, but by your grace, we can become grounded in you. By your grace, we can move from unhealthy pride to healthy humility. And for that we pray, and we pray it in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation,